You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at $2, $5, $10, or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. A long time ago, before May 19th, 1999, there were three Star Wars movies, a Droids and Ewoks cartoon, and two Ewok made-for-TV movies, and a holiday special we don't speak of. It was a time of minimal, cinematic, and televised Star Wars content, but there were comics and games and hundreds of books, all of which expanded the universe from every era, corner, character of the Star Wars galaxy. Oh, my friends, there was so much, fans couldn't even decide what the official canonical timeline even was. There was something for everyone, folks. It was an expanded universe of truly great things. The Timothy Zahn trilogy, which everyone considered the real episode 8, 9, and 10. Mara Jade, Shadows of the Empire, Tag and Bink are dead. Boba Fett's entire story. Thousands of pages expanding the life and times of all of our favorite heroes and villains. But... It wasn't all good. Oh, no, 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 no. We had evil clone Luke, Durga the Hutt. Luke falling in love with a force ghost who had possessed his dead apprentice. Chewbacca being killed by a moon. And then, then, oh boy, there were the Solo Kids. The twins of Han and Leia who were kidnapped so often that it was an ongoing joke every time it happened. And then, in 2012... Disney acquired Lucasfilm, and they threw the entire EU away. The only canon were the six films and the currently in-production cartoons. That's it. They started the whole EU over again, much to the anger of many fans. And, oh, did they let you know, because no one hates Star Wars more than Star Wars fans. And since then, Disney has been building a new canon. And like the old EU, there is good and there is bad. With each new edition, the fandom grows more and more divided, while some fall in love with Star Wars all over again. With most of Filoni and Favreau's contributions lauded, others have never been able to let go of the old EU. Some bemoan wokeism, some attack Kathleen Kennedy, lambast and bully actors, some claim Star Wars is ruined with each new piece of content. And here we are, another piece of new canon added to the timeline with what might very well be the most anticipated and desired piece yet. <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi the series. Set ten years after the events of Revenge of the Sith, where the Jedi have been all but obliterated, Obi-Wan is now on Tatooine, living as Ben, completely cut off from the Force while keeping a watchful eye on young Luke Skywalker. Ben receives an emergency call from Bail Organa that Leia has been kidnapped, and Obi-Wan is... Bale's only hope. Reluctantly, Ben sets out to rescue the princess while dodging the Inquisitors. A group of former Jedi turn to the dark side task with hunting down the remaining Jedi with Reva, the third sister, obsessed with locating Kenobi to prove her worth to Darth Vader. I am TCD Wood of the Screener Squad, and I am joined by my fellow Jedi Knights, Melina. Hello there. Drew. I drew Dameron for this, please. Oh, okay. And Thanks. Jedi Master Michael. I don't trust him. <laughs> to all of you, I say, hello there. I've been waiting for the show since Ewan McGregor first appeared in The Phantom Menace, and whatever we can criticize about this show, there's no denying that Ewan McGregor remains a spectacular 
Obi-Wan Kenobi. But what about the rest of this show? I actually, I think I'm probably alone here in this group. I actually liked it. Now, saying that, I felt like it was less of a new Obi-Wan Kenobi tale and more of a let's stitch together the prequel trilogy and trilogy, the original mm-hmm. trilogy. Find some way to cohesively connect them. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of fine with that. And I think they did it well. Would it have been better if it were a more fleshed out Obi-Wan story? Yeah. But I, I like the stitching together. I think they did it pretty well. It's why I opened with this whole preamble about the, the expanded universe that we mm-hmm. had before, the one we're getting now. You say stitch together the prequels to the original trilogy. I think the best thing of this entire series was that opening previously on Star Wars that recaps episode one, two, and three. Mm. That was amazing. That brought me to tears, and they had not even shown the title card yet. (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately, I think that was the only moment in this entire series that really did get my endorphins going like that. It's the only thing that did really make me weep with joy or feel connected in any way. I think, Mike, you're absolutely right. The best part of this series is that it does really contextualize who Obi-Wan is when we meet him in A New Hope. And I know that because I just went back and I rewatched A New Hope for the first time since seeing this the other night. And suddenly that character as he is actually makes a lot more sense. It's pretty much everything else that they did outside of that that did not work for me. I did like the first sequence. I mean, you know, the way that they edited the prequels together in that, you know, previously on segment (laughs) was fantastic. And I love that they went right in to the temple and showed that with the younglings in Order 66. I just think that it immediately just got into kind of kiddie territory a little bit for me. And I know that that's the thing we always wrestle with, right, with Star Wars. Is it for the older fans or the younger fans? But I Mm -hmm. think with Obi-Wan Kenobi in particular, if you were young when the prequels came out and you were a little bit older now, you're an adult now waiting for this series. And I felt like this series was kind of trying to get younger fans again instead of kind of make those fans happy. Yeah, aging up with the audience is something that Star Wars has struggled with for 40 years, yeah. if not longer, mm-hmm. right? That is true. And this does very much feel like they were trying to introduce Obi-Wan to a new audience. That balancing act, they stumble a lot throughout this. Yeah. Because while there is some really great stuff in here, particularly the Vader stuff, holy cow, where it's like, oh, yeah, this is the badass, scary Darth Vader that has been part of legend for all these decades. Disney gets Vader. Yeah, Disney gets yeah. Vader. He, he kind of is the constant. Yeah, and, and I think Ewan McGregor truly gets Obi-Wan Kenobi. So I think those two elements of this work really, really well. It's the questionable choice of having a 10-year-old Princess Leia meet Obi-Wan. It's the interesting choice to make one of the Inquisitors, particularly Reva, be the main antagonist in this, that you start seeing the cracks in this that are going to sway fans one way or the other. I think those two elements of this either made or broke this show for certain people. My problem with them bringing in Leia, it's not just that I feel like it's Star Wars once again feeling like they have to use the Skywalker characters as a crutch, as a means of feeling familiar to fans. I just thought that deciding to make this show primarily a child rescue mission, Mm -hmm. in this case, I do not think that it felt inspired. It wasn't exciting. And... A lot of that has to do with the fact that you know, no matter what, that these characters are going to be fine in the end. Mm -hmm. How many times can you have Leia be kidnapped before I'm like, guys, I know she's going to be fine. (laughs) and Like, stop trying to make me feel nervous about it. The most pointless bit of tension was ending a cliffhanger episode with Luke's in danger. Like, we're supposed to believe 
oh, is he going to die? Is Disney going to kill him <laughs> off? Yeah, that didn't hit for me. Mm-mm. But as far as the child rescue, yes, it is It is trite, it is cliche, mm-hmm. but this gives us an insight into how Obi-Wan became the guy we meet in episode four. I feel like that the child rescue thing was an origin story for how Leia gets to be... I mean, remember, Luke is 19 and he's a whiny, snot-nosed kid. And Leia is like her mom. She's like on top of things and she's doing stuff. and Fearlessly talking back to Vader and Tarkin. Like, ah, mm-hmm. oh, you two. Exactly. <laughs> they gave us, uh, okay, we who remember her mom is like, okay, that's kind of where she gets it. And then she goes running off and, and it's like, yeah, that's your dad. <laughs> yeah. I thought she did great. This little girl was incredible. I I liked Little Leia. Yeah, I, I loved her. She was cute as hell. I thought that the, the actress did a really good job. Though the Rescue the Princess story is a bit well-trodden territory in Star Wars. I didn't mind it. She's really insightful for a 10-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. Oh, she Can clearly is tapping into the Force without realizing Exactly. It. She's reading people through the Force without knowing she's doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that tracks for her, too. Over the course of the films, they were very subtle in showing her growing understanding and connection to the Force. It was a good idea on their part to keep that very, very subtle in this. Mm -hmm. I don't think it would have worked had it gone over the top. I found the child rescue mission to be cliche, especially because we saw it done so well in The Mandalorian not too long ago. But I think it ultimately could have worked if I really felt a sense of the danger that the two of them have to face. And if I felt that the characters that we meet along the way actually felt fleshed out and got arcs of their own. But alas, I think they're pretty much all cardboard cutouts. And this is a major cast of people here. And if you were to ask me, well, how was this person? I'd be like, well, they were in it. And that's really all I can say. There's a lot of superfluous characters in this and characters underutilized as well. I thought Kamal Nanjiani was a very interesting character to add to the Star Wars mythos, but then they didn't utilize him enough. Mm -mm. And then they had Captain Rankin, I think his name was, along with some of his uh, counterparts within his organization. Their lines were superfluous. Okay, we need to get into this fortress. That's the fortress. Yeah, we know that. Star Wars with dialogue problems? (laughs) Yeah, I know. know. Say it ain't so. (laughs) Well, I'd love to get a little deeper here, so let's move into some spoiler territory here. I Just round the horn real quick, just a thumbs up or thumbs down. Do you think this is a a yay or nay for folks to check out? Because I'd love to get into some of the more nitty-gritty here, and that will require us to spoil the hell out of things. So just around the horn, Drew, yay or nay? I mean, if yay, because if you're a Star Wars fan, you're going to check it out regardless. And if you're a casual fan, you're, this is the series that you're probably going to tune into mm-hmm. and watch. You know, you might not go into you know some of the other series that are coming out. But if you watch The Mandalorian and you're you're curious about it and you probably watch Rogue One, yeah, yeah, check it out. But maybe uh, just go right to um, episode four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Melina? Uh, man, well, unlike Yoda, I'm not an absolutist. <laughs> I do believe in the power of trying. The problem is that this just doesn't feel like it tried very hard. No matter what I say, though, people are going to go watch this. If you're a Star Wars fan, you are going to see it. I looked forward to watching it every week, despite the fact that I wasn't loving it. And that's just because Star Wars means that much to yeah. me. So it's a, a tepid nay. A tepid nay. <laughs> Boy, I've, I feel like maybe I've missed something because I really did enjoy it. And yeah, there were parts of it that I wish had been fleshed out more. Characters have been fleshed out. But overall, <laughs> for me, it was a thumbs up. Um, because it felt like a, an Obi-Wan, uh, an episode four Obi-Wan and an episode four Leia. Mm. Everything else was kind of around that. 
Yeah, I just feel like you know, you're supposed to be transported by these stories, you know, and when you can see the writing and you see the process a little bit with these television shows and especially this mm -hmm. one, it gets to me a little bit. You know, you're supposed to be pure escapism. That's what and you can call, you know, the, the first trilogy lightning in a bottle. But and there I know they're kind of constantly trying to recapture it and it's difficult. But, you know, you never want to see behind the curtains. And I feel like sometimes in this series you you saw that and I understand that they kind of rewrote the whole thing because it was too close to the Mandalorian, but it wasn't, it was supposed to be kind of a, a rescue mission almost with Luke. And they were like, oh, well, who else can we do? Hmm, <laughs> Leia. And I understand that, that was a good reason for him to get off world and do these stories and adventures. But, you know, you get into dangerous territory when, you know, the repetition and rhyming for Star Wars loses its icon status, right? When there's way too much of it. Yeah. And if, and you remember the, 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 that is based on like one line Lucas said in a documentary about Phantom Menace. <laughs> Everything's supposed to rhyme. It's, it's poetry. Like poetry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they were like, okay, George, yeah. sure. And he repeated that, but I think that's become this scripture. You Listen, know, um, Drew, like Wars. all religions, the zealots take <laughs> one sentence in the entire canon of a religion and then go to town with it. <laughs> Mr. Abrams. <laughs> oh, God. He's still in timeout. He's still in timeout. That JJ stands for Jar Jar. <laughs> a lot of what's wrong here, or at least what I consider mistakes in this, are TV mistakes. Star Wars has always been cinematic, and TV mistakes happen in the writing and the editing. I already mentioned superfluous dialogue. Well, there's also very strange pacing issues in this. I know this comes from the fact that they're filming on the volume, which is a soundstage. So to have characters run through a space, they have to run very, like, not running, right? Yeah, so geez. having Obi-Wan flee after Leia and he's moving very, well, he's moving like Al Guinness is running is what's the happening. The space there. Vespas <laughs> went faster than he did. I feel bad for Moses Ingram because she is being attacked, oh, no yes. surprise, by so some of the fandom menace. Her issues come from the text, not from her performance. She is doing the best she can with the material she's given. Mm -hmm. And she's great in the last two episodes. She really is. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, when, when it's a little meatier and there's more backstory there yeah. and more emotion. Well, and again, that Star Wars tradition is is the dialogue. Is <laughs> yes. The actors have to try and pull mm -hmm. something out of the dialogue, and it, it takes an extraordinary actor to make that readable. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what's hurting this show is, once again, like with all Star Wars, the expectations that people have. People come in with so much expectation of what they think is correct that if it's not meeting or exceeding those expectations, then people are fixating on the bad. I want to fixate on the good. I think Hayden Christensen and Ian McGregor teamed up again here is amazing. I love seeing these two together again. That final battle to quote-unquote kill Anakin Skywalker is yeah. fantastic. Okay, I know yes. they repeated the Rebels moment of the helmet getting cracked open, but to see Hayden Christensen as Anakin say, you didn't kill him, I killed him. That was yeah, great. And, th and that was the other side of the helmet, too, which I thought was yeah. cool. It was like a yeah. did one side. That was interesting. Okay, yes. I know that I saw this before. Swap out Obi-Wan Kenobi for Ahsoka Tano. Mm -hmm. But then I realized the dynamic here and the implications of this conversation are very different from that of him and Ahsoka. Yeah. Because, yeah, that is the moment that totally solidifies why when we meet Obi-Wan again in A New Hope, he only ever refers to Anakin as Darth Vader. Mm -hmm. It actually totally makes you understand why he chose to lie to Luke about his father being betrayed and murdered. Because to him, Anakin is dead. Vader did betray and murder him. 
watching a new hope from a certain point from of a view. certain point of view <laughs> no one ever gets to make fun of me for defending that line ever again <laughs> oh the jedi are, are such liars but <laughs> i see and this is actually good information for me because i have not seen all of rebels oh mm-hmm. okay so, yeah it's the finale of season two i think so the visual moment was completely new for yeah. me so it hit yeah, with me i definitely thought about rebels and that but i i was so in the moment there that it didn't it didn't bother me that much no, i just hope that you know this series was probably not an easy decision for you know, Ewan and especially uh, Hayden to sign on for. Yeah. Yeah. And I just hope they feel like it was a vindication. I just, I think if I was watching the series in a vacuum, I would have had a lot of issues with it regardless. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel swayed by any fans or anything like that. I need to watch it again too. And, and uh, I'm sure I'll be more positive on it. I just think the la- like the last few episodes, it really found its stride, but I just wasn't a fan of the Leia Obi-Wan dynamic. And, and I honestly wasn't a huge fan of, the actors too. It's just it's just tough to um, be that cliche and still be good. Yeah, in regards to the Leia and Obi Wan dynamic, I don't think that, like you said, Drew, if I had seen that in a vacuum, I would have had an issue with it. But that relationship, the way that they build it, it opens a massive plot hole to the original series. And I'm sorry, it's not me trying to go looking for plot holes to dig up. It was just so blatant because when we meet Leia in A New Hope you get the sense that the only relationship that exists between her and Obi-Wan is that, well, my dad knows you, my dad trusts you, I need your help, you're my only hope. No one's talking about the scene where uh, Obi-Wan actually gets struck down by Vader, and the only person Mm -hmm. who reacts is Luke. You'd think that if Leia actually had this really loving, deep relationship with him, she would be equally, if not more, heartbroken than Luke is. And I just couldn't get over that. Mm-hmm. I was never able to make that make sense to myself. Because it doesn't. And <laughs> there's another plot hole when you see how much the Larses love Luke. Mm-hmm. And and they are willing to fight to the death for this kid who they, they've been with him long enough that he is their kid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he's sad when they're killed, but he bounces back. And he's more broken up about this guy he's known for a couple of days. I think Seth MacFarlane points that out. Yeah. <laughs> and then Leia lost her whole world. She lost every her family, a lot of the people she knew, the places that hold deep memories for her. Mm-hmm. And she bounced back. And I'm like, are the Skywalkers maybe sociopaths? <laughs> I would explain a lot. I genuinely thought they were going to wipe her memory. And I was like, that will make oh, all yeah, of that, was the fear. that was my fear. But I was like, you know, actually, de- like it would have rendered all the development between their characters completely obsolete. But I think yeah. narratively, it would have actually made more sense. Yeah. <laughs> the problem with expanding the canon from these original films is that there's going to be constant contradictions and retconning and... This is nothing new because we are still dealing with the repercussions of the prequels when it comes to the original trilogy, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, how, oh, I know, I don't remember ever owning a droid. I'm not going to acknowledge that I know R2-D2. Right. The surprise of Yoda, the, the Luke and Anakin relationship. There's so much that the prequels took away from the originals. Every time they expand from the original starting point, it's just muddier and muddier. And it has reached a point of picking and choosing, and maybe it's been at this point for a long time, but picking and choosing what you choose to be canon. As I mentioned at the top of this, once upon a time, there were at least four canonical timelines that people followed. Mm-hmm. The fans 
We're talking pre-episode yeah. one here. The fans had decided, okay, there's the Zahn timeline, there's the Lucas timeline, and you basically, even comics that were being produced by Dark Horse were of different canonical timelines. So I think with the addition of this show, it's just reaching that point again yeah. of saying, okay, I'm going to follow, and, and I kid you not, this is the term for it, the Favloni-verse. So anything that Dave Filoni and John Favreau are directly responsible for, which is the Mandalorian, Skeleton Crew, which is the new series, Rebels and Clone Wars, that's their canon. Yeah. They were not responsible for the production of Boba Fett. They were not even given anything more than a thank you on Obi-Wan Kenobi. You feel it. Yeah, you do feel it. You do feel you do that. Feel it. Yeah, I mean, if this series was a book, to your thinking, like I would be more okay with it. But I think the fact that it's in live action mm -hmm. that sticks a lot more, mm -hmm. and it should mm -hmm. be canon. But that's the whole point of Star Wars. Is that's what the brilliance of it and the complications of it too is that I know when they kind of reset it again, but through the comic books, through everything, it matches up. You know, I'm not going to say rhymes together. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One thing that you guys were saying earlier, they did kind of nail Vader a little bit. I like that. Mm -hmm. Oh, at least in the books, he's a little more of a detective. Like, you kind of realize how smart he is, especially in the Thrawn books. Mm -hmm. And they kind of work together. Like, Thrawn's this brilliant strategist. They work together very well. The main problem I had with Vader in the series is that if you can kind of dismiss some of the things that he does that don't make sense because he's obsessed. But when you have all the other things that don't work or the other things that the Empire are doing or other, these other missteps and maybe the narrative and, and other characters' motivations, then... It doesn't seem like Vader's the only one doing it. It's like everybody's doing it, which undermines his character in the first place. Right. Like if, if he's the only one doing like crazy stuff and going after um, Obi-Wan, I get that. And, and that's what's so great in the flashback lightsaber scene on Coruscant. Mm -hmm. is he's saying, like, you're, you're, you're trying to beat me. You're, you're obsessed with victory. beating me and, and being right and victory all the time. So they could have used Vader to do the plot hole stuff. Right. They could have maybe done that and not had Eddie, everybody else do it in the entire series. And I think that that really nails down my main problem with the character of Reva. Because, yeah, Moses Ingram, the harassment that she's getting because, oh my God, she's a black woman in Star Wars. I'm like, I'm sorry, just fuck off. Yeah. It barely mm -hmm. warrants mention mm -hmm. to give attention to those yeah. dickheads out there who are Trolls. talking to her like that. Yeah. But yeah. I do think that her character is probably the weakest point of this whole thing for me. From the beginning, I thought, if you could write this person as mysterious, probably expressing more of her emotion through the expression of anger than the really horrible lines they give her, it would have added mm -hmm. a bit of mystique to her, and you would have been curious about what is driving this person to do yeah. this. Yeah. I think that all kind of came to a screeching halt when they reveal what her motivations are, because I don't think they make any sense. I mean, we're in spoiler territory, so I can say, ultimately, she's saying, I was a youngling, all my friends were killed by Anakin, who I now know is Darth Vader, and I am actually trying to work my way up the ladder so that I can hunt him and kill him. So you're willing to actually go out there and murder, publicly hang... Torture people. Torture people, pe like, torture Jedi... Mm -hmm. as a means of seeking justice. And if they had actually wrapped that up saying, well, the path to revenge ultimately leads nowhere, I would have been like, well, she's underwritten, but whatever, I can understand the arc. But what they do with her in that final episode just totally derailed that. And I do agree with you there, Melina, is that I was actually really, really liking the character of Reva. And as soon as they revealed her as a former youngling, I'm like, oh, no, mm -hmm. that's that's where you're going with that? That she, she was awesome. Not to sit here and go fan edit this thing, but I wonder <laughs> if, A, they were trying to create a counterpoint to Ahsoka, 
right? Because Ahsoka is, mm. in many ways, a gray Jedi, right? She's good, but she doesn't follow the edicts of it, mm. whereas Reva is evil, but she doesn't follow the edicts of it. Ventress, we had a character already that could have been yeah. in Reva's place. And hell, exactly. Moses Ingram could have played her, right? Yeah. It felt like this unnecessary addition of a character that could have been better suited as someone else. But that's me fantasizing the what-ifs here. I hadn't thought of that, but now that's all I'm going to be thinking about. You're, you're absolutely <laughs> right. I'm still waiting for a live-action Ventress. I'm like, I got a live-action Cad Bane. Please, someone give uh, me Ventress. Yeah, I mean, there could be a Dark Disciple thing would, would be interesting. We mm -hmm. could sit here and go even further, but I think it's best that we kind of wrap up here. Yeah. And, I feel like there's a weird middle ground happening here and not a fully I hate this, I truly yeah. love it. And that interests me the most when it comes to this series because surely I'm seeing people review the hell out of this thing and they're ah, oh, this is the worst thing that happens. And I say, go watch the holiday special. There's an old <laughs> saying, pizza is like sex. When it's good, it's really good. And when it's bad, it's mm -hmm. still pizza and it's still pretty good. And that's how I feel yeah. about Star Wars. I don't hate any of it, even the dumbest stuff like George Lucas's romantic dialogue or the uncanny Valley Luke Skywalker that we got in The Mandalorian. And it used to be super easy to rank the Star Wars stuff because there was so little of it. But now there's 12 movies, nine shows, three more on the way, and thousands of pages of books and comics expanding the lore. I'm not going to get the Star Wars that I want and I have imagined my whole life, but I am a professional screenwriter here, folks, and I have scripts and I will produce them. We're getting <laughs> the Book of Boba Fett and the Rise of Skywalker and Star Wars Resistance and any number of canon that's just not for me. I wanted Obi-Wan as a series for a long time and now we've got it and weighing the good and the bad there's good here i've seen it <laughs> but there's a lot of dumb too it's weird editing choices and bad dialogue and that's 100 percent on brand for star wars as far as i'm concerned ewan mcgregor's incredible he taps into some really deep emotional stuff here and his portrayal of a veteran suffering from ptsd is yes. so good the vader action here is top-notch Michael, you said it right. Disney gets Vader. Yes. And they keep doing cool stuff like him ripping a ship out of the sky or force lightsaber fighting. Yes, please. But yep. when shortcuts are being taken, that's where a franchise falters, Star Wars or otherwise. So weighing the good and the bad, I kind of lean towards the good on this. I did enjoy more than I disliked. So there it is. It exists. It's still pizza. And I'm giving Obi-Wan Kenobi 7 out of 10 Lola holsters. Thank you, Hasbro. There's your there's your plug. <laughs> and, and, and your pizza tie-in, too. If you there want. you go. <laughs> Drew, why don't you take it from there? Yeah, I mean, I can't help it. I mean, I was disappointed with this. But I'll watch it again, of course. I'll keep abusing myself. And But, but I, I just the, the main thing I want is just, just be consistent in, in a series just from beginning to end. Be good. Be consistent. And so I don't have to keep wrestling with <laughs> bad moments and good moments. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm tired of that. You know, that's what I did with the prequels and some other things. So, you know, there's some brilliant moments in that and not so much. I'd never felt that way with the original trilogy. I was I was fine with the Ewoks and Return of the Jedi. But so I, I think with this series, for me, that it was the first time where I was really wrestling a lot with the moments. Even Book of Boba Fett, I didn't have too many issues with. But this one uh, got to me and maybe it was high expectations. But... But yeah, no. Over overall, I think I'm glad it exists. I'm glad I'm glad it's out there in, in the galaxy. I know, I'll give it six of Leia's lightsabers. I don't know. I don't know what to say. <laughs> six out of ten. Very good. 
Michael. I thought it was a good origin story for episode four, Obi-Wan. I thought it did a, a fairly decent job of explaining that, you know, Leia was always precocious and it's probably because she's tapping into the force without knowing she's doing it, just like her father did in pod racing. But it was frustrating because they had elements with so much potential like Reva, they didn't know what to do with her. So that's where it was disappointing for me. But again, you know, as I've, as I've mentioned, I'm, I'm used to fandoms where they're, it's almost good. And, and then not so much. I feel that way about the prequel and the sequel trilogies. It's like you had all the pieces there. You just needed to put them together. Right. Mm -hmm. But overall, I enjoyed it. So I'm going to give it seven out of 10 snap together T16 Skyhopper model kits. Nice. <laughs> Uh, Jedi Master Molina. Ah, uh, thank you. Anybody who has spent five minutes talking to me ever knows that I absolutely love Star Wars. I love Star Wars so much that I've actually kind of started to come around on the prequels the older I get. Thank you, Clone Wars. I love The Mandalorian. I love The Last Jedi. And I think that the Book of Boba Fett really has some amazing moments. So if anybody wants to come at this review and say, well, this just couldn't win with you, that is not true. I am very accepting of this universe. Very, very accepting. <laughs> Aside from the Vader and Obi-Wan aspect, which I think should have been what drove this whole series, and a really stunning performance from Ewan McGregor, who just so effortlessly tapped back into this, this for me is the weakest by far of the Disney Plus shows. All the complaints that I've mentioned, I think for the most part, could have been fixed or I could have overlooked them had I just thought that the writing had been better. If I thought that they had maybe thrown a little more money into this, it's insane to me to think that you have a show with Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader and this is the show where you feel the budget constraints. Yeah. It just feels <laughs> flat. From the character mm -hmm. motivations, the dialogue, to the effects. To me, this really is a big disappointment. And again, it's just, it's not what it did, it was how. It's the only show that Disney has done that I'm not looking forward to going back and watching. It's great to see Hayden Christensen again. And most Singram, not your fault. <laughs> so I am going to give this 5 out of 10 laser fences that uh, you could have just walked around. Just walk around. Just walk around. <laughs> Although seeing a stormtrooper cut in half by a laser fence is one of the coolest deaths in That was Wars. pretty badass. <laughs> yeah. Just walk around. That was the whole point of that. Just walk around. It was, it was Chekhov's laser fence. There you go. <laughs>